Hello, and welcome to Believe It, Achieve It. I am your host, Nicole Winley, and I believe everyone should be living the life of their dreams. This show is going to be a weekly dose of magic to help guide you to living your best life. When you feel good, then success in all areas of your life is easy to achieve. I love to empower people to discover their dreams and to ignite their lives. This show will be full of personal development stories and skills to help you take your life to the next level. My guests will be health and wellness experts and amazing spiritual beings, as well as everyday people with stories and lessons to help guide you through the ups and downs and help you get one step closer to living the life of your dreams. I want this podcast to be real and unpolished, full of honesty to show the realness of life. Here's to living your best life with gratitude and love. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to Believe It, Achieve It. I am your host, Nicole Winley, and I'm so excited today for today's guest. I have, in my mind, the best dog trainer in the world. Every dog owner needs a session with this man. So, Greg DeFranza, welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe It, Achieve It. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in dog training. Well, the shorter version of the story is that <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a law enforcement trainer. I'm retired law enforcement from the Jackson Sheriff's Office. And uh, at a period of time where my overseas contracts kind of started drying up because of the issues overseas, I started just hanging out with dogs here and some people who couldn't bring their dogs to any place else when they had to go out of town. They had asked if I could keep them. And of course, more than happy to. We did lots of things. I sent lots of photos and videos of what was taking place. And pretty soon that just kind of evolved to people who said, I really can't leave my dog any place else. Can you still bring him in? And it's not a board and train. It wasn't a board and train issue, but it was just a okay, this is a different pack. And of course, at the time, I only had Koa, my uh, older Rhodesian Ridgeback. Uh, Koa helped train my fur baby, so. I know, right? (laughs) I would wake him up. (laughs) (laughs) And it just evolved to being able to help people not just change their dogs, but change how they viewed their dogs. And that was really kind of the key because every dog is the same and they all communicate the same, but we don't communicate with them the same way. So just, it grew. And beyond that, I stopped doing the boarding at my house because I didn't have time to go help people, which is mostly what I do now. I come to people's houses with personal sessions and help them with their issues, no matter what the issue is, no matter what the age or the breed of the dog, it doesn't matter. If you need that help and need better communication, I can certainly help you with that. I think every dog owner needs a session with you. And, you know, (laughs) I'm out there telling every every person I pass that is yanking on their dog and yelling at their dog. I'm like, how do I tell them? How do I tell them that they need to call Greg? (laughs) (laughs) So those of you who don't know, I am the proud fur mama of 11-year-old Chihuahua. And I called Greg several years ago because I was afraid that my dog was going to get himself killed because he was so, he wasn't (laughs) awful, but he did definitely get nervous around big dogs. And you guys, Greg did mention his dog, Koa. Greg said, we didn't really pass a lot of dogs on the day we were training. And he said, let me call my wife and have her bring over 
our dog. And I was like, okay, what kind of dog is it? And he said, a Rhodesian Ridgeback. And I said, oh, this will never work. (laughs) (laughs) And by the end of my session, I was walking Duke and a Rhodesian Ridgeback, his dog, and they were the best of friends. So it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. But I also learned that I was the one that needed the training. So that being said, you guys, when I started getting into this podcast world, Greg was definitely top of my list on who I wanted on here because he just is amazing. And it's not just about the dog. It's about the human and the dog owner. And I came across a post the other day on Facebook about Greg had ran into a pediatric trauma nurse at one of the hospitals here in Jacksonville, Florida. And she was saying how I guess they've had spike and dog aggression, I guess, injuries, to put it mildly, in the hospital. So Greg, if you wouldn't mind going into that, I just, I really think this is something that needs to be addressed right now because we are all in this COVID time together and, you know, it's affecting everyone. It's affecting everyone. We all know this, but it is also affecting our dogs. So I'm going to let you take over from here. There's actually been kind of a surge just in my business in the last two and a half or or so weeks, really just about the time all of the let's stay at home kind of thing started where dogs that had packs in the house, multiple dogs, not just by themselves, all of a sudden, while they were always getting along, now they're fighting with each other. And of course, that can be dangerous to the dogs, it's super dangerous to the people And uh, I had already made that mention and was talking to several other trainers from around the country that I'm still connected with. And then had that conversation with our friend at the dog park and it just fell right into place. And of course, my belief is, because I'll explain why it is, is that, you know, our energy has certainly changed with being at home, having a certain underlying level of stress and tension, frustration, and just uncertainty. And then our dogs are all about energy and body language. That is how they communicate. And if energy is first, and energy is your emotion and your intention. So if that energy has changed, the dogs will respond accordingly. Not all dogs respond the same, but especially for some of our our pack some of them want to help that's where you'll see dogs that are the happy-go-lucky middle of the pack they're grabbing toys they're throwing it in your lap they're being you know real pains to some people but you don't understand what they're trying to do is keep everybody happy and the pack continuing to move forward our back of the pack a little bit more uncertain type of dogs really get way more snippy and protest about the energy, the excitement, they're quicker to pick up on an energy change. So if we're not helping them with that mental energy, which by the way, we're usually not because we don't even help ourselves with the mental energy, then that's your opportunity to go outside. And uh, one of the things we do at the Caesars Dog Psychology Center is... Right, right, right. I didn't even mention that. But Greg, you have trained with none other than Caesar Milan. I remember you telling me and I was like, put me in your suitcase. I want to go to his (laughs) pack. I want to be in his pack. (laughs) 
one of the exercises which is very cool is an exercise on being able to clear the human brain before we even touch a leash of a dog that for that purpose, for that objective, the dogs have not been worked with. They are shelter animals from the area. And of course, some of them are really very excited. They're jumping around. They're pulling a lot. And it's very unique when you see people who come out of the student tent, take a leash, and then their objective is to walk that 43 acres of his canyon for the next 30 minutes without an intention, not a place to go to, just put one foot in front of the other, take the pack with you. And to a person, the the people who come out that you know their brain has just cleared and relaxed, that dog relaxes as well. And the leash relaxes, and then they go together as a team. And the others that are the humans that are struggling with that, you can tell the second they touch that leash because that dog's like, yeah, let's go wild. (laughs) (laughs) But if you switch it off to a person who has changed their their perspective and their energy just a slight bit, uh, that dog coincides with that. Very powerful observation when you get a chance to see that or do that. And that's what I try to help people with when they're walking their dog. The very first thing, it's your walk. It's not your dog's walk. You get to go and take them whenever you want to. But it's important that you and your pack take that opportunity to just you know, have some structure for them to pay attention. Yes, but let's just be together and clear our brains and not worry about things, not think about things. And, you know, your dog is thinking usually about, I'm going for a walk. And, you know, what are we usually thinking about? Bills and jobs and relationships and everything else. It just really muddles that. And all of that affects your energy. Yeah, I feel like it's almost like, oh, I have to take the dog out. Yes, yes. That's your opportunity to go, you know what? And your walks don't have to be that long or for that far. Your dog doesn't care. Your dog cares that you you guys are together. So if you have a dog that's a little bit more energetic, uh, put a little bit more structure in that and then go for a little while longer. But it's not necessary to do these five and six mile Batan death marches with your dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you my favorite part of my day, my favorite (laughs) part of my day, and I I have a morning ritual, but my favorite part of my day is to walk Duke and every morning. I never take my phone, never, because then I'm not paying attention and I'm not connecting with Duke. And it took me a long time to learn that. And it's where I take in the day. I set my intentions for the day. It's where I start with my gratitude. And I'm just so thankful that we're out and we're breathing in the air and we're listening to the birds and we're feeling the sun on our face and Duke loves it. And I just let him lead. I let him go wherever he wants to go. And that is our time to connect. And that's how I start my day every day. It's my favorite part of my day. That's a great perspective. And, you know, you do have to start your day on the right track. And you have to end your day on the right track. And then somewhere in between, you still have to stay on track. Right, right, right. So how do we stay on track? (laughs) Because everyone is at home right now. And as we mentioned, the dog aggression, you know, has gone up. So what are some things that you can tell the listeners to kind of get everybody working together and being in a calm environment with with us as humans, we're elevated. We're all living in these 
uncertain time. So what are some pointers or some tips that you can give the listeners right now in this time that we're in? Well, you know, when we're just adults in the house, there is that tendency to get too involved in, you know, what our jobs are or, you know, the the online aspect of what we do. And we're completely ignoring the dog, the dog's needs as well. And that's why the walk and a structured walk, just, you know, follow with me is so important because we need to make that pack connection. Dogs in the wild don't explore on a walk the whole time. They walk with structure. They follow leadership. Leadership leads, not in a frustrated, stressed, you know, scary way. Adults do have a tendency sometimes to, to take some time to go, hey, let's do something fun. So your dog is all about nose, eyes, and ears. So, you know, even just playing around doing scent work in the house, just games, is something really, really important for you guys to just relax for a couple minutes, really nurture the dog. You're exercising that dog's brain, which is not necessary to exercise the muscles. The brain is way more important than that. And your walk should be more of an exercise of the brain. When we have children in the house, however, sometimes there's an an attitude that the dog is another playmate. Mm-hmm. And we really haven't, sometimes you really do have to teach your children that that trust and respect is two-way street and love for a dog is a two-way street, but we still have to be respectful of the dog and the animal. And when we're just, you know, well, dog sleeping, let's go jump on the dog. That is a recipe for disaster. Actually, it's a recipe for disaster if they jump on a human that was taking a nap as well. Right. right? <laughs> So we don't think of it in the same way because we go, oh, look, my happy little dog. But your dog will look around and go, who is controlling this pack member? And if nobody is, they simply do have to fill a void and go, well, I guess it's me. And I guess I'll have to protest. And a lot of dog bites are not the tear body parts off kind of thing. That's true aggression. And that's something you're not going to be able to stop. Because once they go, they go. But for the most part, that conversation that we've had with our dogs about energy and how we're all going to relate together is just a little bit skewed. And that lack of respect sometimes really goes a long way towards either making us in a safe household or making ourselves a very dangerous household with a fuse that's already lit. And that's generally when I see things like that, that's what happens. And when I was talking before about the dogs in the pack themselves and the families, it's a matter that they're still not creating those rules, boundaries, and limitations for our dogs that are so important because that actually is who they are. But if we don't create the rules, boundaries, and limitations for our children Mm -hmm. or for the rest of our family, then things go haywire. And if you never gave your kids rules, boundaries, limitations, you'd be raising a serial killer. So, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, what happens with dogs, we're not giving them rules, boundaries, limitations either. We wait until it's gotten out of hand and then we get really angry with the dog. And then it comes out in that very, as far as canines are concerned, a very unstable way. In the wild, if there's correction, it's done much sooner. They don't wait to let it get out of hand. And then, of course, they're not emotionally based creatures. They have emotions, they're happy, sad, angry, depressed, but that doesn't drive their day. And so 
things are done and protested and rules are, are established in a more confident way. And calm doesn't mean just quiet and reserved. It means I'm calm about it, but this is the rule. Do that. Mm-hmm. And dogs are great with that. All the dogs I've ever worked with, and it's literally thousands and thousands of dogs now. They want rules. They want boundaries. They want limitations. And when you're saying, I'll make those decisions for you, the only thing you have to do is understand what this rule is. Even the really human aggressive dogs I've worked with are like, ah, this is awesome. I don't have to make decisions anymore. I can just be. And then there's a much better and much different relationship. Right, because it's not, you know, training the dog. It's training the human, right? Well, the the problem is that humans don't communicate the same way dogs do. We communicate with a lot of talking, like you and I are doing now. Uh And that's how we communicate. And we do it with emotion and and spirituality and intellect. And our dogs do it with instinct only. We have that, but we don't use but a little bit of that. And our dogs, that's actually who they are. So there's already an incongruity with how I'm trying to communicate to an animal that doesn't communicate the same way. It's like speaking a different language to somebody who does not understand you. Yeah, so the humans do have to understand that. But the problem is when humans look at, oh my gosh, I need to learn something new and it's really kind of complicated to them. First of all, it's not complicated. Second, it's a lot easier than you think it is because it's already part of you. You just never utilize that part. And then once you see how easy it is to get a point across to a dog without being frustrated and stressed and angry and nervous and anxious, that dog listens. And then the light bulb finally sometimes does go on with humans. It was funny when you were talking about, you know, training you instead of Duke. That is often what I hear. People finally do get that, that idea. Oh, this is about me. It's not real about my dog. I usually tell them we're 95% there. You just did a lot of work. <laughs> well, yeah, because you just, I remember when I, I called you and I had you come over and I was like, I had a harness for Duke. You know, he's a chihuahua, right. so I can't, I want to break his trachea or whatever. And I thought I am the best dog mom in the world. And then you came in and I was like, oh, oh there went all that. But uh, it was all for the best. I mean, gosh, Greg, I mean, you, we now are friends and we live in the same community. Absolutely. I, I ran into him. And you guys, like I have seen him. So he does these pack classes, right? Is that what? Yes. And yep. they do their graduation walk through the town where we live out in Jacksonville Beach. And I saw him one night and I saw all these dogs and all their owners coming across. And it was so, but blew me away. And I was so like, I just stopped <laughs> what I was doing and I watched all of these people. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. It was just so beautiful to see people. And you know, that's a, that's a five-week class, and that's our fifth night. So we usually go out around where people are and outdoor restaurants and things like that, and I invariably hear somebody from you know one of the restaurants, the tables nearby, oh, my gosh, I want my dog to be like that. And, yeah. you know, and I don't stop to tell them, you didn't see these guys five weeks ago because that is not who they were. Right, because <laughs> people, people tend to blame the breed. 
you know? Do they do? Right? Like, do? I have a friend that has a Rhodesia Ridgeback. It's the craziest dog I've ever been around. He's just bouncing and jumping and bouncing and jumping, and it's a big dog. And then <laughs> then there's your two dogs, Koa and... And Malu. Malu. I always say it wrong, but they are the best dogs ever. <laughs> and I actually saw two Rhodesia Ridgebacks, you probably know who they are, in Jack's Beach, and they are not your dogs. But they are equally as trained. I, I'm pretty sure you probably know who they are. There's but. a yeah, probably. <laughs> so I was like, "What are you doing with Greg's dog?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you definitely opened my eyes to know that I it was my behavior is why Duke was acting a certain way, where I was coddling him and trying to protect him from these bigger dogs. But and, uh, you know, because I mentioned about structure, you know, our graduation pack walks are structured because we're going a certain direction. We stop, we change pack positions because I want everybody in a different position all the time. You need your dog following you, not necessarily a pack. And But I also have these monthly beach walks that I've been doing for about the last three years. And so last Sunday of the month when we started up again, I've had anywhere from between 20 and 60 dogs show up to that. Wow, and isn't that amazing? It is, it is exactly the same. It's very predictable when we're waiting for everybody to really kind of show up. And it's open to everybody. There's no necessity to sign up or pay or anything else. It's a, it's a walk. Let's get together and walk our dogs as a pack of people walking our dogs. And the dogs are excited. They're jumping. They're you know yelling at each other. It's just there's a ton of excitement. But the second I say, let's, let's start walking, everybody walks with a purpose, the people. There's structure to that. And all of that craziness settles right down. And then that's when the walk actually starts. It wasn't the walk getting to that. It's not while we're just standing around and the dogs are excited, having structure and direction. And once that happens, people go, oh my gosh, I never knew my dog would be like this. <laughs> right? like, but that's actually when you hear statements like the power of the pack it's not just the animal pack. It's also the human pack that's all on essentially the same page. We're all doing the same type of thing. We all have the same general idea of how to move forward. And then it is like working with any other team of other humans. If everybody is on the same page and we're communicating, well, you're going to do things differently, but you're still going to end result. It's going to be the goal that was set out to begin with. And we're just transferring that from people to dogs. But it is important that we give our dogs that direction because otherwise if I had a human team and I'm not giving them the real direction and you know acceptable boundaries of how to behave in that, then that team is absolutely going to fail in that goal. And so your goal every day on every walk is let's enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Be under control. I have to be under control. Our dogs have to be under control. And then we can just leave that and go enjoy nature. So I'll tell you, you know, I, and even when I run into you out and about and I have Duke and I'm always like whispering to Duke, Duke, don't, don't that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, he's been awesome. He's been really great. And 
You know, I found out a few years ago that Duke has polyarthritis, so all his joints are affected. And I think, um, well, I didn't take that into account before when he would get growly around puppies. He just, because they want to jump and play and it hurts Duke to jump and play. So I definitely, now what I do is I will step in between him and the puppy and Duke kind of will go and sit on or stand next to me, next to my leg. And he doesn't have the aggression, you know, he definitely doesn't want to get involved because it hurts him, you know? Well, and you sent a message. I've got your back. I've got Uh all the other dogs backs as well, but I have your back and it's really our job, not our dog's job to protest that level of energy. And quite honestly, you know, whether Duke, felt good or not. Duke is older and a lot of dogs will experience that with our older dogs. Puppies come up, they've got way too much energy. The older dogs, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight and up, uh, they don't have the time for that anymore (laughs) and they'll protest that. A dog that's more adolescent, like Malu has just kind of gotten out of his adolescent time, but his brain's still a little bit of a teenager. That's the perfect fit for a puppy because the adolescent dog is actually going to help teach rules, boundaries, and limitations. Let's play, but let's have a set of breaks. The older guys are like, yeah, just get away from me. <laughs> right? I know. I like to say that Duke is, when I'm not home, which he has absolutely loved mommy being home for the past oh, yeah. five, six weeks. It's sure. like his dream <laughs> has come true. But I like to say that when I leave the house and I'm gone, that I really feel that Duke, he likes to sit on the back of the couch. He is smoking a cigar and, <laughs> sip, and sipping on some cognac. Like that is just Duke. He just, he just wants to chill, you know? So <laughs> so that, that being said, can I ask the question? Because I know one of my neighbors actually, and you've actually worked with her. You've worked with most people on my street, anywhere. Anybody I pass, I say that they need drag in their life. But she got a puppy and she had a senior dog and it didn't necessarily go so well. So do you recommend, you know, I know that some people with senior dogs start getting nervous, you know, because when they pass, what are they going to do? Right. So they tend to want to bring in a puppy. Right. For them, for the human more than the dog. Absolutely. Uh, Do you recommend that or how do you? You know, it is a matter of compatibility. You know, for instance, like there's a little pit bull puppies only like about 15 or so weeks, lives a couple doors down. They come by every so often. Malu loves that little guy, but he doesn't love it to the point of, hey, come on, let's play. He's like, yeah, let's just stand together and you can act wild, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to be my stoic self, which he never is. And the puppy has such a good energy that it would be a great fit. When we got Malu, he was already eight months old. Oh. And we got him for the same reason that we had Koa. We got them both from the same breeder. But it was a matter of that teenage dog is probably going to fit with the compatibility, but they're probably going to fit a lot easier than it would a brand new puppy, which honestly, puppies can be very frustrating. <laughs> you know, there's a, a lot of learning curve that goes into that, especially if you're not familiar with puppies or you haven't had a puppy. And, you know, into that end, there's some people who have a brand new baby and they get a brand new puppy. And that is like, oh, right. yes. oh my gosh, what are you thinking? Yes, I know that they should probably grow up together, 
but one and then the other <laughs> is a better message for them. And so when Molly was already eight months old, we brought Koa up there to South Carolina with us to see how they actually interacted. And it was an instant fit. You know, Koa's happy-go-lucky middle of the pack. Malu is as well. And, you know, they bonded right away, so to speak. And then, you know, we drove right back the same day. And they've never had any particular issues. So it's kind of like, and I do equate it like this. It sounds kind of odd. But sometimes we start out in human relationships where we think everything is awesome. And then it's not. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. The, it, it, things do change sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes what you thought was a great selection <laughs> turns out not to be. So then and, what do you do? What do you do? Well, you know, that's the thing where we do have dogs. You know, we have to stay consistent at least with these are what the rules are in the house. And this is how we're going to move forward. Getting with somebody who can give you some real good, solid advice, not just the stuff you're going to find on the internet, which there's a lot of trash related to dogs on the internet, as to how to pick the best pack position for your group. You know, we see the back of the pack boys and girls who can be very nervous, anxious, uncertain about things. That's their position in the pack because their job is to be super reactive to things because while everybody is up front playing, they are paying attention to those twigs that are creaking behind us. <laughs> so people will take a look at that type of dog and then put the human emotion of, oh my gosh, they must have been abused, right? right. So then we're in a help helpmate mode of trying to save this dog where the dog really doesn't need saving. It just needs understanding who they actually are. It's the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. Right. And so you can't make an introvert into an extrovert, but you can make them more comfortable. If you understand going into it, who you actually have, then that's a lot easier for you to move forward than it is to go, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to deal with these two. And it's not really a good fit. So making a great selection in, is about pack position. And then the other real very important consideration is energy level. Right, So you have low, medium, and high energy levels, and then you have front, middle, and back of the pack. And so if you understand that connection, then you'll have a way better idea. And honestly, we got Malu for the same reason. Ko was seven at the time, and we were going, I don't think I have the emotional fortitude if something happens to him. Right. And, you know, these guys last longer than that. Obviously, 13, 14 years is their, about their lifespan, but that's a consideration and everybody goes through that and it's completely understandable but you have to make a good solid decision and then you really have to work at it when I dogs are work in it. progress yeah. yeah we are work in progress to our dogs so <laughs> our dogs are works in progress to us as well well and you know duke and most people i have oh, people that duke. have come up to me and said oh my gosh you're duke's mom like in public and i'm like oh <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was getting on an airplane once and the flight attendant used to work at Coastal Vet and she was like, oh, it's oh. Duke. Oh my gosh, it's Duke. And I'm like, what is happening in my life? I'm in Atlanta and somebody's recognizing Duke. 
<laughs> but it's just He's amazing. world famous. <laughs> <laughs> but Duke is a chihuahua and you have been around him and you know him and he is very low energy <clears throat> where chihuahuas get that. They're labeled high energy, yeah. aggressive, nippy. Yippy. I mean, I'm sitting here. Duke is literally sitting next to me. He's my assistant always. And he hasn't <laughs> made a noise. He doesn't. I trained him. And I don't know if this was right or wrong, but when he was a puppy, I just trained him and I thanked him and, you know, like, thank you. You did a great job if he would bark and someone was knocking at the door. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. You did the best job. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and if he barked unnecessarily, we just, we talk, we talk, you know, I talked to Duke. like Right. Like, sure. But we talked about it. And I was like, no, like that's the TV. So I got him used to a doorbell or a knock on a TV. I got him used to the difference. And Duke has never been a barker, never been a yipper. He's very calm. He's very chill. I like to take credit for that and say that I was just a great <laughs> Of course. But you see, you're still conveying rules, boundaries, and limitations. Yes. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with our dogs telling us, hey, there's something that leadership needs to go address. But once I say, okay, I got it, Stop telling me to get the door. Let me go get the door. And if it's not an issue, then we just convey, got it. No worries. We're not going to worry about that. <clears throat> so, I mean, yes, people have a tendency to talk. But if you're conveying the right message in the right energy, it really doesn't matter. You can take Duke to the other side of the world in a completely foreign country where nobody understands the same language that you and he have been necessarily you know, familiar with, but he's listening to the energy that's being spoken. So it really doesn't matter what the words actually are. It's kind of like, and I, I joke around with people like this. If I, if I taught my child from the very beginning that the color of the sky was water, it would become water to that dog or, or to that person. We do the same thing with our dogs. You know, we think that a sound pattern means a certain thing, which it does, but how it's being said conveys the actual message, right? So, right, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of human communication is very, very much like that too. That's why human communication is very difficult because I not feel only like people they tend listen. to just get aggravated with the dog. Like, Ugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I did that. You taught me that. I was like, oh, exactly. dude. <laughs> well, you see right there, what's your energy? Is it in the right frame of mind? Your intention is the same, but what's your emotion? Yeah, right? yeah. If your yeah. emotion gets the best of you, you can't control you and you can't control anything else, really. Right. It's so true. It's so true. So finishing up here, I also want to talk about your book really quickly. So <laughs> I'm sitting here staring at Greg's book and gosh, I was blown away when I read it, honestly, because it really isn't about dogs. I mean, it is. But it isn't. I learned so much from it. So it is Dog Stories. And where can they get the book? You can get it on Barnes and Noble and you can get it on Amazon. Awesome. Uh, I got it. Not, not really before not, anywhere here. I got an autographed <laughs> copy. <laughs> <laughs> and really, you know, the whole idea behind that was. I titled it Dog Stories because otherwise if I titled it Human Stories, nobody would buy it or even look at it twice. But it is a dog story about what is that dog's particular story in their behavior versus how they're being treated to change that behavior. And all of those 
chapters have to do with a teaching moment. And I intentionally wrote it so each chapter, and there are 66 chapters, I intentionally wrote it so the chapters are not very long. It's a quicker read. You don't have to read it in order. It's not a technical manual by any means, but it gets still the points across. And we just use, you know, the real actual experiences of this is what we did with this dog. And it hits on every topic. Yeah. When I was reading it, I was like, oh, I need to call this person and let them know this because they think their dog was abused. Oh, I need to call this person because this person, they say their dog has separation anxiety. So I was blown away by it. So you guys, Dog Stories is the book, and I highly, highly recommend it. I dedicated the book to Faith, who is an Airedale that I worked with. She originally came to me as an aggressive dog. And honestly, the quick story, she had spent nine years as a puppy mill mom, basically in a crate. And so she was somewhat aggressive with other dogs. Uh, Yeah, the very first time the owners had come down uh, back to Jacksonville, brought her back from Southern Ohio. And they had her in the yard and she was just sitting there and their next door neighbor that has a bulldog came running out off leash towards Faith. And Faith still sat there, grabbed the dog by the face and slung it off to the side and never got up. Just very matter of fact, (laughs) and while he's telling me this of course he's you know they're mortified that their dog that they just got that's a nine-year-old dog just did that i'm just laughing my head off on the phone because i'm thinking i gotta meet this girl she is awesome (laughs) (laughs) and actually what the end result was was faith because she had been mom over and over and over again, she was in that mode of, I have to correct every dog's energy that is not part of what the rules are. And so once I started working with her, she stayed at my house for about two weeks because they were going out of the country and needed somebody to keep her. And she got along great. She learned how to, to you know, invite other dogs that I had staying with me, invited them to play she would play, she would roughhouse with one of the puppies that I also would have. I still have some of those videos still available. And she became a very chill, relaxed dog when we just simply said, I got this. You don't have to make that decision anymore. And then we could just, she could just enjoy life and being with. Wow. You know, because there is that aspect you know, of when you're always growing up around puppies that, oh my gosh, I constantly got to correct this. And you forget to go have fun. And she had forgotten to be able to have fun. So we got a chance to do that. She was a great, great dog. Really enjoyed. And she was a huge, she was a 90, 95 pound Airedale. She was a big girl. But she was very quick to protest behavior as well. (laughs) (laughs) But she got to enjoy life. Right. She did. Yeah. Dogs still need to enjoy life. You know, I feel like some people get dogs for the wrong reason. So... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an important thing. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, when we actually, based on what we were talking about before, if I try to put the emotional obligation of a dog to help me through a grief process, that is absolutely not fair to that dog. That's not who they are. It's not okay for them to be obligated or responsible for us and our own emotional health. That's our job. And our job is to provide a better life for them, which is a lot more 
specific to rules, boundaries, limitations, and then let's go enjoy and, and have fun and, you know, create the, the joy, create the excitement, create the love. But yeah. if you don't create the calm confidence first, the other part is really immaterial. Yeah. I mean, and I had to, you know, I had to create that in Duke. I mean, I got a Chihuahua. Sure. sure. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people and you know, Duke and I, but they all say that we have this really special bond and humans and dogs can have these incredible, incredible bonds. And I think it's beautiful. I think that dogs really add so much to our lives and help a lot. Duke helps me every day every day. And I hope that I help him. And sometimes I'll even catch myself like, you know, and social media too much or sitting on my couch and the phone and not wanting to be bothered and he'll get up and want to go play and I'll go. Right. No, Nicole, (laughs) put whatever you're doing down and go and play with your dog. Have a couple minutes. Maybe I need it. Maybe he knew that I needed to chill and just step away and just, yeah, that gets back to what I said originally. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're you know, sometimes Koa or Molly will do the same thing. If I've been sitting at a computer too long, writing too much, and answering too many emails, they'll come up and just start getting face like right in my face and just stand there and stare at me. <laughs> like, yeah, they know what we need. They really know what we up. need. Yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> and if I get upset, Duke really notices. Absolutely. And it's amazing. You know, I can be crying in a movie, you know, like all these these dog movies that I watch. I watch them and I know what's going to happen and I'm sobbing. (laughs) Like I've never cried before in my life. And Duke (laughs) will come across the room and kiss me or console me or lick my tears. And it's just, it's it's amazing. It's amazing how he can sense. Yeah. He knew right away. He was like, my mom just sniffed a weird way. (laughs) Right. I know. Right. Yeah. And he comes to me immediately. Anytime I've ever been upset. Yep. That's, it's, that's it's who he beautiful. is. That's what he's supposed to do in the pack. That's the instinct that you can't change and you shouldn't change. You should nurture that. Oh, it's beautiful. And that's, that's for all of us, not just you, because I know you already nurture that, but, <laughs> but, but sometimes we don't, we get frustrated with, Oh my gosh, I, I'm trying to, you know, have my emotional time to myself and they're going, that was enough. Let's get back to being normal, right? Because the pack is really about trying to stay normal, not upset. Internal chaos doesn't happen in a wild pack mm-hmm. because they can't feed, they can't protect themselves, they can't continue the pack. And so that's why, you know, the middle of the pack guys exist. They keep the front and the back from killing each other because <laughs> that's exactly what would happen. And so right. that's why we nurture all three of those pack positions, but most certainly recognize when they're showing themselves to us, we do have to kind of fall into place and go, you know what? This is awesome. Let's do this for a couple minutes. Right. I know. And sometimes it's just a couple minutes. Yeah. 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 It's just a couple minutes. Then they know get... you're, you've kind of normalized and then they go, <laughs> my job is done. And then he goes and he sits up and he gets a cognac and he's. Yes. Duke is like, okay, I'm back to sipping my, my, my cocktail. She's chill now. <laughs> okay. We've got dog stories. We can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but also where they can find you on social media and how to get in touch with you. Camp canine Jack speech. I am on Instagram 
And I am also on Facebook. I post very often. I do have a behavioral blog website, wwwk 9 jacksbeach jaxbchcom So and I that, will put that in the show notes so people will okay. be able to find you. So yeah, and most of the time on Facebook, I'm constantly posting because I post almost every single client that I have for the same reason the book was written. All of the behaviors that people get frustrated with with your dog really kind of congeal to maybe seven or eight big, huge topics. The rest of it is just personalities and how those personalities either fit or they don't fit with humans and with dogs. And so everybody has the same kind of quote-unquote problem. We just see ourselves as being very unique and my dog is the only one in the world that does this and oh my (laughs) gosh, and I'm lost And that's what my business is actually about. I always joke with people because I obviously take videos and photos of the dogs I work with, but I keep joking. I'm going to take a photo of them in the very beginning and then a photo of them at the end where they're actually smiling, where they have that hope that, oh my gosh, I can do this. Oh my gosh, my dog is not a holy terror and they're just a dog and I didn't know how to communicate with them. Because otherwise, I know that can be frustrating. We've all been dog owners. I've been a dog owner forever. And I've had some frustrating dogs. And I've had some that I didn't have the same knowledge that I have now, that I created more of that frustration in myself than the dog was actually doing. And so hopefully we all learn from that. But then we actually have to go out and take that time to just go, you know what? I know this is going to work and let's go do it. And that's actually kind of your website, come to think of it. (laughs) You know, believe it, achieve it. Right. If you don't think that, put your mind to it. Right, then it's going to like, oh, I'll never train this dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's really not, and I joke with people all the time, but it's not really a joke. I don't train them in behavior. They knew that from birth. DNA tells them this is how we act together. And then they stayed with mom and mom taught them that. And then we took the dog and we didn't become mom. And mom creates rules, boundaries, limitations, keeps nurturing them as who they actually are, not just a dog, but as a canine and part of a pack. And we have a tendency not to do that. And the second you start doing that from a different perspective, number one, it gets way easy because number two, the dog gets it. And they go, oh, that's what you wanted. (laughs) Right, right. It's so true. It's so true. So thank you so much, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. I hope to have you again because I can talk about, I'm already sitting here thinking, what about this? What about that? What about this? (laughs) But I really just wanted to get across to, you know, everybody and, you know, we're all at home more. We're all, you know, on edge probably a little bit more and uh, how we can all just kind of go at it. Along with our dogs, with ease and grace, you know, and all adapt and just, I say it every day, let's go at it with ease and grace. That's right. That's right. So, so thank you so much. Enjoy. Right? Enjoy life. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So mm. thank you so much. And oh, thank um, you. Very honored. And you will be on here soon. So you guys, everybody go make it an awesome, awesome, awesome day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Believe It, Achieve It podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me directly at NicoleWindley23 at gmail.com. Make it an awesome day.